looking at research that I had done this week for our podcast. An hour-long video that I really wanted to watch before we did it, but didn't get to because I didn't discover it till this morning. I hear meditation music. Yeah. Let me turn that off. You wanted to watch an hour-long meditation music video? No, no, no. no. That's my um, Alexa in the background just playing music in my house. Ooh, robotics. That reminds me of Ray Bradbury. A soft rain rain will fall. Do you know that short story? No. It's brilliant. There's an automated home going through the morning routine of waking up the family, preparing breakfast and everything. And uh, there's a soft rain falling because it's post-nuclear holocaust. So all these automated processes are just going through the day in a very calm, quiet manner. And meanwhile, the family's not actually alive anymore. Right, right. And I think I think it ends with like a weather report: a soft rain will fall. Wow, that's very um, apocalyptic. Yeah. Well, fuck. You know, we got a lot going on this week. At least I do. A lot going on this week. Well, I mean, there's current events, which we had no idea was going to happen when we talked about what we're going to talk about today. Right. And then there's more for you. What else is going on for you? Well, I had a movie shoot on Tuesday. Which yeah, the was beard looks great, by the way. Wonderful. I know. I haven't had, <laughs> haven't had the energy to shave it off. Um, and uh, last night I had an asthma attack, which I haven't had in... You know, since like my early teens or wow. you know, like 11, 12 or something. Yeah. And um, did you have an inhaler or what you needed for that? No, because I haven't had one, you know, in decades. Wow. So that must have been frightening. It's fucking out of the blue. It was a little like, holy shit. Yeah, there was a probably there was probably a thought in there of, hmm, I wonder if this is a medical call. But instead, you- I just... You calmed down and it went went away. How did it work? Yeah, I um, went down to the bathroom and coughed and wheezed and then went into the living room and watched TikTok videos for about 40 minutes slowly. Brought brought yourself back into life. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to go get like an inhaler now or something in case that? Oh, no, because, you know, I think there's an element of your uh, Christmas day, you know, like it's like I think it's a one off. I don't expect it to so. happen again. Let's hope so. Yeah. So you don't know it was an asthma attack per se. Well, it was an asthma attack. OK. Like, you know, the bronchial passageway was constricted and I it was hard to breathe. And it passed quickly. Well, 40 minutes. Wow, that's brutal. Yeah, it was crazy. It frightens me. I don't want to lose you, man. 
Well, one day. All right, I'm going to share this with you. So this is um, this is that kind of news. Okay. I also learned this morning that Tim Talbot passed away in his sleep Saturday. Oh my goodness. Yeah, his ex-wife emailed me this morning. Wow. So all that, and then the invasion of Ukraine, which is streaming live on social media, um, it's a full week. Wow. Yeah. Tim was fucking hilarious. He was. <laughs> a little much. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. He was, he was a brother. He was definitely a brother in my life. And um, I appreciated his. Well, they aren't married anymore, right? Right. They were, you know, I don't know if it was actually finalized, but it was definitely in process. Well, in process, very well into it. Yes. And yeah. And he obviously wasn't expecting it. No, like I, you know, we, we were in, communication regularly like he was he was a brother and i just albs albs yeah i just probably had spoken with him a day or two before that jeez and then i texted him and called him and hadn't heard back and that, that you know in my mind i was like oh that's unusual but you know it happens and um and then i got the email from yanni this morning uh, and was there any clarity about why no, so I hope to talk with her tomorrow and kind of get some more information. I, you know, you just never know how long you got. Right. <laughs> That's it, man. Holy mackerel! Yeah, I know it's kind of a trip. Well, I guess that's what happens when we get to our age, right? This is yeah. the, the game, like right. Right. Who's going to drop first, me or Greg? Stay tuned to Moped Outlaws. <laughs> we could be in a fiery crash together like a bat out of hell. That'd be great. Like we're going to make a movie and that's it. And and it's 30 years from now. <laughs> and Russia invades the United States and we get hit with a missile and it's just instantly over. Vaporized. Yeah, as we're crossing the Golden Gate Bridge. Well, you know, they say going in your sleep is one of the best you, best you can hope for. Absolutely. Uh, vaporized yeah. is probably a close second. Yeah. You hardly have time to notice. Yeah. Yeah. And because we're on the bridge, we don't hear the sirens going off throughout the city. <laughs> your attention to detail on this is a little unnerving. <laughs> <laughs> and because we stream music, you know, there's no longer the radio. Yeah, we just don't even know. Broadcast. There's no air raid sirens. Yeah, it's just, you know, we're going across the bridge and then, oh, what's up? Boom, over. Right. It actually Hopefully would take longer than that. On the bridge. It would take longer than that. We would we would see an explosion. And then... No, no, no. It hits the bridge. The missile hits right where oh. we are. Oh, well, I'm so glad we're being so specific about this. Yeah, we're vaporized. I don't want to like a lot of people from Hiroshima weren't vaporized. Yeah, they had to you had to be really close to be to the epicenter to be lucky enough to be vaporized. Right. Right. So I'd like uh point zero to be 
my location. <laughs> what is that called? Zero. Ground zero. <laughs> Ground zero. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. How many inches were between you and the missile? Zero. What I've heard is that the latest in nuclear bomb technology is that you don't actually hit anything with it. It, it actually is designed to explode above the ground. That's a much more effective means of transmitting the shock wave and all the other things. So Talk about there's no ground zero. It, it, detail. <laughs> it would probably be like right over the tip of uh, Alcatraz <laughs> to get the whole urban area. Nice. Or it'd probably be like one. There'd probably be like a whole bunch of them all like multi mini warheads all falling. But then again, this is California, so they might want to use like neutron bombs. So they just kind of wipe us out and not take out all the, uh, the infrastructure so that, you know, China and Russia could enjoy the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, they all want to come here and walk on the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, it is a um, well-recognized international symbol of peace. No, it's not a symbol <laughs> of peace. Bomb <laughs> <laughs> <Damn> it! <laughs> um, but it is like, you know, all the big tentpole movies, you know, the reason why a lot of them are in San Francisco or that's a part of it is because that bridge just brings instantaneous. Well, it's also because ILM's built that model a bunch of times, so it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it just, uh, you know. Well, we've already got the Golden Great Bridge on file. We could just use that one. <laughs> Do you have an apocalyptic Golden Gate Bridge? Oh, yeah. We'll just throw a couple of covers on it. Yeah, there's that one from Planet of the Apes where it's all covered with vines and stuff after no one's used it. That was a good one. That was a really good one. Yeah. Oh, that just, in my gut, I felt a horrible segue trying to rise up. Don't do that. (laughs) Joe Rogan. (laughs) Now we have to talk about something else. Otherwise, it is a segue. All right. Well, there's another celebration of life tomorrow for a guy named Dirk Johnson. Oh, really? Another one? Yeah. Is it headed by the same individual? Uh, Bobby, Bobby G's. Yeah. yeah. So tomorrow's the big day. That guy really had a lot of love for happy boy. Yeah. Okay. Well. So that's two of our contemporaries who are being honored by their, Love Didn't you already have one for Dirk? Why, you know, like a no, no, it's tomorrow. Oh, I thought it already happened. Mm-mm, it's tomorrow. Okay. Dirk was uh, kind of a tall guy. What? Dirk was tall. Yes, he was. And he was also very, um, you know, talented on the guitar and humorous in his own way, kind of like a big lug, like. I find it like we have another friend, Mike Healy, who's also that tall and lanky. And, um, you know, they were never in the same place at the same time that I remember. Hmm. But can you imagine those two guys on guitar? Like we missed an opportunity there. Like the, it's like the world's tallest guitar duo. Wouldn't that be funny to have a band where everyone's like over six, six. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. We'd have they to must call be them giants. The spiders from Mars. They must be giants. Yeah. There we go. (laughs) Yeah. So let's see. Um, No one else that I know has died recently. Well, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I I woke up with a really heavy heart today. 
I was like, I wasn't feeling that funny. Um, it's hard when blatant aggression is part of the worldview. You know, we got this thing going on in, in, um, in Europe. Yeah. And, um, I was driving home from the studio last night. I was hearing the news that they were actually, that Kiev was going down and, and Kiev or however they pronounce it. And, uh, I would imagine by the time of us talking right now, and definitely by the time it posts, uh, um, Kiev is now Russian territory. Kiev. Is that the capital? Capital city. It's, um, I, right before this, I saw a stream of, uh, Georgia is that the country that I think it was 2008 that um, Russia invaded yeah so they were streaming from there and the guy who was on it was saying you know how they're all like they're all protesting and rallying in this huge area and he's like we know what this is about and we're you know against it we're really here for the Ukrainians it's so interesting to me to watch a war unfold live Mm-hmm. That's an interesting phenomenon to me. Yeah. Well, it's somewhat like that for Desert Storm in our lifetime and then the Iraq invasion. Not, but not I, with the way we have phones. Everybody has a broadcast station in their hand now. Right. So. Right. That's what I mean. Like it was still CNN with those for me. And here, this is like, like you're saying, it's being broadcast by multiple people and different. You know, some are in Ukraine. You know, I saw last night there was a person on their balcony in the Capitol, you know, and you hear all the sirens going off. And So that was on TikTok Live, right? Yeah. Did you notice that that was a one minute loop? No, it wasn't that one. I did come across that one. Okay. So you saw another one. Yeah. There was about three that I came across. You know, if you do hashtag Ukraine or search for Ukraine, there's a lot. Yeah. But yeah, I did see that loop. That was kind of funny. Oh, it's daylight still. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. People, people are interesting. Any way they can get more likes. Or, or just create a splash, you know, their yeah. little splash. Like, cause that person, who knows where that person is? They could have just grabbed a 10 second piece of video and put it on a loop and live stream and. Yeah, one of the interesting things I found out yesterday is that the uh, the president of Ukraine is a comedian. No, really? Yeah. That was a good segue. <laughs> Speaking of comedians. <laughs> yeah, Volodymyr Zelensky. I think he started out as um, a, a comedian. Oh. He's certainly not laughing now. Now um, he's an ex-president. He's an ex already. I don't know. That's come Monday. Oh, actor president. Tight. It says come Monday. You'll be holding me tight and Ukraine will be a part of Russia. Too soon. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're Ukrainian, it might be. Yeah. It's always too soon to, to be. I yeah. shared the, the news about Tim with my daughter this morning. She was like shocked and she goes, are you all right? And I go, yeah, I had an asthma attack last night, but I'm fine. I shared with that with her earlier when we went to work out, but um, 
I was like, you know, one day you're going to hear, hey, Greg's dead. You know? She goes, yeah, hopefully in 30 years. I was like, all right, you know, but. And I also, I streamed, I FaceTimed with my mom Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And uh, she looked really old to me. And so, you know, it brought that to the surface of, you know, when she's going to pass. She's going to turn 86, I think, in June. Yeah. Wow. Well, may she find her path easeful and full of love. Amen. Yeah. Wow. Well, you guys, after all of that, it's Monday, the end of February. February's Black History Month. Yep. And Greg and I were like talking the other day and we were like, we neither of us really understood very well the black history of comedians in this country. Well, not to the degree I wanted. Like there, yeah, there's just always more, right? Like we both watched that documentary Fat Tuesdays. (laughs) Right. Which is a three part documentary on, uh, is it Netflix? No, on Amazon. Amazon. That was fascinating. I learned so much about it. In fact, I wrote down all the names of the comedians that were in that show that really? I've never heard of before. Damn. Thinking, well, how am I going to say all these names? It's just going to, I'm just have to read a list. Right. And, um, so I'm prepared to give you guys some real history here of black comedians names. So I'll do five. We'll talk and then I'll do five more. So Chris Spencer, Jay Phillips, flame Monroe, Ajay or a high Sanders, Kim Whitley, Nick Cannon, and Tiffany Haddish. Like, we'll just stop right there. Yeah, because those two, I think most people know Nick and Tiffany. They're pretty well known. All right, Mark is passing away right before my eyes. He used the mute button. That was nice. <laughs> you just choked on Nick and <laughs> Tiffany. I think I choked on the, the remnants of my shake because it's super thick. My green shake. But yeah. So like when I thought like what who what black comedians can I just remember off the top of my head? And I was like, well, Flip Wilson, devil made me do it. Geraldine. Right. He was great. And why? Well, we had him on national TV every week. Yeah. And I remember listening. One of the first comedians I ever listened to a record of was Bill Cosby. Yep. Yep. There's a fabulous documentary out by. I just forgot the gentleman's name. He's a comedian here in the Bay Area, and he he did a documentary. We got to talk about Bill or something. Let's talk about Bill. Wow. Yeah. And what uh, streaming platform is that on? Do you know? I don't. I think it's Showtime. I think okay. it's Showtime. Got it. <clears throat> well, and then, of course, Red Fox from Sanford and Son. Yeah. And... um you know, just to come back to Bill for a second, part of what, um, gosh darn it, I wish I could remember the gentleman's name. It's like W something, Bell, Kamal, anyway. He said one of the things that was difficult to tackle is Bill's career. Like when he was in... um the spy TV show. What was that? The odd couple. No. What was it? Spy, uh, um, the three. What was it? 
Mod Squad. No, he wasn't in Mod Squad. No, what was the um, um when he was in? It was in the sixties. Right. And I don't know it, so I'm gonna look it up. Okay, so he had a white stunt double that they put blackface on and blackened the arms and everything. And Bill was like, No, if you don't hire a black stunt double, then I'm not doing this. And he forced, I think it was NBC, they hired a but and the whole stunt community especially the um people of color in that career said that cha- that was a game changer before that we had no work and when bill did that move now the gates were wide open wow yeah so part of what this gentleman and if you've found his name anyway well the show is called i spy okay there you go i spy oh, i don't know uh, let's talk about bill yeah. That's the name? I think so. Or we must talk about Bill or something like that. We need to talk about Bill on Showtime. Go. Yeah. So what's the gentleman's name who created it? I'm looking. <laughs> <laughs> if you put director, he'll come up. Okay. W. Kamal. All right. Well, Google and its infinite wisdom is making life difficult. All right. Google. Uh, Here we go. Cast. Comic director W. Kamal Bell. There you go. W. Kamal Bell. That's him. Very articulate man. And um, if you have a chance to listen to some, he's been on a few podcasts and shows with, you know, to promote this. And it's, well, I think it's a worthy effort because of course, you know, Bill Cosby did some really, really, really messed up things. Oh yeah. (laughs) Clearly deserves everything he got as far as prison time and, you know, the besmirchment of his reputation. But one of the things I like about you and me is we're always sort of willing to look beyond just this zeitgeist of the moment and, and appreciate people for their full spectrum of human endeavor. And like you said, Bill helped the um, stuntmen's union get black stuntmen in. And he, he and Hitler was a very nice dog owner. Right. And then Bill Cosby was, You know, the Cosby show was a a monumental black television show in the 80s and the 90s. Yeah, but then they do get into like he was a gynecologist and he was an office anywhere, but his office was in the basement of the house or something like that. Like, (laughs) there's some chaos. Yeah, it's, you know, it's really, if you don't mind the pun, it's not so black and white. (laughs) Wow. Let's um, go back to Fat Tuesdays because that's such a good vibe. I think we well, I was just trying to remember, like off the top of my head. So I was Flip Wilson, Bill Cosby, well, um, Richard Pryor, Richard Pryor, Red Fox, um, Red Fox, right, Dick that, Gregory, um, right. That was as far as my memory could go. There was and also then I the to start looking Mooney, stuff up. Mooney, yeah, Paul Mooney, right, Paul Mooney. 
Um, Leslie Jones, Tiffany Haddish, who we already said, but this morning when I was doing some more research, I found out, well, well, like who's the queen of black comedy and it's mom's maybe she's one of my favorites. Oh my God. Right. She was brilliant. Yes. So why is it important in black history month for us to look at comedians? Because comedians are overlooked in their social value. Like it's, it's so important to laugh. Well, also, I think there's the element of um, like the fool's place in a court was to bring the truth to light where everyone else may be afraid to lose their head if they said, hey, King, you don't got any clothes on. Right. The fool that was the fool's say, job. Right. And, you know, may lose his or her head anyway. And then that's interesting in the tarot, the, um, the fool is the first card. Yeah, and um, even the Beatles' Fool on the Hill, you know, I think speaks of a person of wisdom. Um, You know what really struck me in the documentary Fat Tuesdays, which was brilliant, was how hard everybody works in this industry and how hard work isn't a guarantee like there were some people who didn't have their name on the wall and, you know, didn't go on to get a show or a movie or anything. And they just fucking worked hard and it just never clicked over. Yeah. And for those of you who haven't seen the documentary, one of the things that's true about the comedy store is after you reach a certain level of, you know, prominence in your career, then the comedy store will put your name on the wall outside on the outside of the store. And one of the things that happens in the documentary is a bunch of the comics who didn't have their name on the wall. It was sort of discovered that they really should have their name on the wall. And so there's this moment where they make that happen. And there's this unveiling for about half a dozen or eight or nine comics. And, you know, I kind of wonder if Polly Shore's interview was why that happened. Cause you know, they didn't really interview, you know, P- Polly Shore's mom was the owner of the club and they didn't really interview her here cause she's dead and she wouldn't have had much to say, but <laughs> would have been a macabre interview, but he does, he is interviewed in it. And you know, it makes sense that maybe, you know what the, clear. well, they said in the um, documentary, cause his brother's the owner, Polly's brother. Yeah. And that the brother made that happen. Yeah. And I forget the gentleman's name who was the main host of Fat Tuesdays. Um, yeah. Um, Mo. Mo. Tory. Joe Tory. Joe Tory. No, Mo was, Joe was the older brother, wasn't he? Uh, geez. Or, or was Mo the, anyway. Hey, Mo. <laughs> the Yenner. <laughs> um, he says that, you know, what I really loved was the um, symbiotic relationship that Mimi and the comedy club had with the black comics. And, you know, the club was able to stay open because of the revenue that these fat Tuesdays brought. And also the club was giving stage prominent presence in the game for 
comics to be seen and by producers and casting directors. And yeah. um, so it really was a symbiotic relationship. And I think the gentleman who's announcing the wall at the very end, he, 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 Guy Tory. Guy Tory. So that was the Yenner brother. He acknowledges that, that symbiotic relationship. Am I saying the right word symbiotic where there's both are gaining from? Yeah, that, that's about right. They're mutually dependent is symbiosis is mutually yeah. dependent. Yeah. And that's true because there was, they, you know, they find out during the course of this film, you find out that there was a point where the, the Tuesday night comedy night, was paying the bills for the comedy store, even when the Saturday night, you know, headliners were supposedly making the money, they weren't actually paying the bills. And it was, it was, you know, the LA black community coming out in droves every week on Tuesday night and filling that space up that, that kept the lights on and kept the place open. So, you know, and in many ways, like, I love white comedians and there's been some great ones, but man, when I think about comedy in my youth, it's like, it's fucking Richard Pryor. It's Eddie Murphy. Red Fox. It was George Carlin. Yeah. He was funny in an intellectual way, but I, you know, like Cosby, Richard Pryor, like those guys made an impact on my life. And, you know, I thought, I think they're funny. But they're they're way way above most most people in terms of the things they say. Like I, there's a whole moment where Pryor talks about having been on LSD and he does this thing and he goes, "Look, I can catch my hand," and that just cracks me up every time I think about it. Right? That's funny because for me, it's Bill Cosby's the very first stand-up that really caught me as a kid was Bill Cosby's Moses bit. And you could still say to me, how long can you tread water? And I laugh. I think that's fucking brilliant <laughs> you know, to, to picture this guy making this fucking huge boat. The neighbors coming by. What the fuck are you doing? You crazy madman? Oh, yeah. How long can you tread water? You know, like just the perfect clap back. Yep. We owe so much um, to these comics. You know, um, and yeah. I, I was wondering to myself, well, why isn't Sammy Davis Jr. on this list? Because he's he was Rat Pack, which is pretty big achievement, really. But he wasn't really that funny. I don't remember Sammy Davis even being funny at some point. Maybe well, he was. I think the Rat Pack had stand up as part of their show. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I think Sammy Davis was the butt of their jokes for being black, for being Jewish. And, Mm -hmm. you know, now I believe that he was well-respected. Like I've heard stories of Sinatra again, like, you know, them saying, look, this guy can't do X, Y, Z and Sinatra going, well, he's part of the show. And if you want our show, you got to take him with it. Yeah. And he's in our green room and he's, you know, he doesn't come through a different door. And so I think, I hope that Sammy was a part of that because he knew behind the scenes, he was equal. Yeah. It was, he deserved to be there for sure. Yeah. 
I've been listening to his um, Mr. Bojangles live. I forget where it was recorded. It's on one of my playlists on Spotify, and it's just mm-hmm. so good, man. It's just yeah. He very he had his own style yeah. for sure. Yeah, and he was brilliant in uh, Sweet Charity. I don't know if you ever saw that movie with Shirley no. MacLaine. Heartbreaking. Yeah. It's a heartbreaking story. Um, I just want to say, because this keeps coming up in me this morning, Robin and I were talking, my daughter, you know, and talking about Black History Month. And she goes, yeah, why is there one month we celebrate Black History and then the other months is all about whites? Well, that's a common refrain. In fact, it that it's not only is it just one month, it's the shortest month of all of the months. Yeah. And, you know, you and I have talked about how the um, school that you're a part of to help Whitey um, realize just how deep colonialism and racism is embedded in the train of thought. And I saw that quote, I think I shared it with you, of Martin Luther King, and I'm paraphrasing, but in essence, he says, you know, white people are always um, dismissive of the amount of learning they have to truly be in a place of equality. Yeah. Well, the, the school you're talking about is called the Remember Institute, rememberinstitute.com. And the course that um, is making this impact is called Heal Thyself, which is a course in anti-racism for people who identify as racially as white. And it's very challenging. It, um, if you think you know or you think you aren't <laughs> racist, you should take this course because that's where I started. Like I grew up in Berkeley. I had this whole story about how... <laughs> You know, together I was and how non-racist I was. And then, you know, uh, I really got my uh, my education thanks to this teacher. And, you know, there's this thing about having BIPOC people spend labor to educate us uh, white people about our blind spots and our white fragility and our and our white privilege and all that stuff, which is it's really an awful thing because they're the traumatized group. And so in the remember Institute heal thyself course, there's a teacher. There's actually a a crew of teachers, all of whom are BIPOC who have taken on this work on our behalf. Right. And yeah, we pay for it, but at the same time, it's because they know that, you know, until we heal this rift in our, in our country, there's not and in the world, there's not going to be, the kind of possibility for humanity and all of us white people walking around feeling like we're woke and like we know what we're doing. We still have very little clue. And, you know, I've been immersed in this work for a couple of years now. And just the other day I was having a conversation with my sister where I found another pocket of my own like bias. And thankfully my sister is intelligent and wise. And I was able to talk to her about it and kind of break it down. The thing about the heal thyself course is it doesn't just deal with racism. It also real deals with ableism. Right. And um, sexism, patriarchal sexism. So yeah. Remember institute.com starts June. All right. There's openings. Yeah. Sign up Whitey. Sign up Whitey. (laughs) in itself might be a mistake you know that's for us to say it that way yeah it's our n-word 
Well, it's more um, the dismissive surface nature of the statement. Yeah, it is. It, it, it is like, oh, I can get this intense energy off me and right. make it funny. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, there were some other great black comedians in this documentary. Lunell, Robin Harris, Lunell. Joe, as we said, Joe Tory and Guy Tory. Yeah. Their relationship with each other was super interesting, man. Yeah. A bunch of the documentary hinges around that and, and um, alludes to it. And, and Joe admits eventually that he was just a little too, had too much of a chip on his shoulder to, to act. He was offered the, the club because Guy Tory was getting, you know, he's getting gigs. He's doing movies, he's doing TV and he was touring and like he, he had gotten some really good and he couldn't be there every Tuesday night and he gave it to his brother, Joe, but Joe, for some reason, didn't have quite the magic that guy had. No, and he didn't show up. I think that was, well, he showed thing. up 45 minutes late. Yeah. Instantly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that to me was that element of like subverting yourself, you know, self-sabotage. Like, Amen. Yeah. 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 And, um, and then it was also interesting to hear uh, the women talk about what they were up against with, you know, being black and being a woman and told, okay, you want five minutes on stage? I want five minutes in the parking lot. You know? Right. That was horrible to hear that story. And then even the, the women who ran the door had those stories. Yeah. Now they seemed a, but, uh, a little more cavalier, cavalier about it, you know? Um. And and being at the door, you're you're there in the public eye. I could see how I don't see how someone could get so intense. Whereas if you're backstage and it's just you and this one other person. Um, it was also I was, you know, I know Nick Cannon and know who he is and have seen him do stuff for a long time. And to see how one, he started at such a young age. I think he was like 14 when he first started hitting the clubs. And then to see how he grew, he really is an entrepreneur, you know, like um, wild and out is fucking well known. And I just watched one of his, I think it's his first movie. He produced a feature um, that was really like his movie called she ball. And it was, I don't know anything about this. Oh, really? Nick Cannon, yeah, he's yeah, and and again, there is the element like with the two brothers. There is the element of um, opportunity, but also being proactive. You know, showing up on time, doing your work, doing your fucking work, and uh, well. And there were a couple of, of white people who were actually appeared and, um, well, Bob Saget, Bob, Bob Saget, right. That was brilliant. That was a nice little tribute to him. Right. And, and the recognition that he was just really blue. Like he, he, here's this guy who plays, um, such a straight guy on TV. And then yeah. when he gets in in fat Tuesdays, he's like, they were like, he won him over because he was so blatantly blue. Yeah. Um, but what I found out about myself in watching that documentary was how little I knew about the level of talent 
that was is available in black comedy. And, you know, Cedric, the entertainer, like I remember oh him. God, he's so good. Yeah. You know, yeah. But there, there's just so many great performers. Yeah. Steve Harvey, who's now I've always thought of as a game show host. It didn't really occur to me. Yeah. I've forgotten that he was a stand up comedian. And JB Smooth. Right? Same guy. Yes. And um, the Wayne brothers and Right. Um I, what I loved about the interview with Dave Chappelle was he said, Look, I wouldn't be doing this interview if it wasn't for, you know, Fat Tuesdays. Like Yeah. Well, and he said, because I don't do interviews. But yeah. because this is about Fat Tuesday, I'm yeah. gonna let go of that you know fence that I'm doing this. Yeah. 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 And that's what I think was so also um to me it's like the God element. It's that piece that you can't plan. Just where things come together perfectly. And part of it is stepping up and doing the fucking work because it's landed on your lap. Okay, here's the you you've asked for this. Let's do it. Right. But it's also that element of you can't make it happen. It is. Happening. Well, and what's doing the work? Like as a comedian, what's the work, right? Fucking getting on that stage every single moment of your life. It's more than that, though, right? It's preparing the jokes. Well, some people prepare on stage. Like that's primarily when I was doing stand up. Hmm. Most of my prep was on the stage and you know, I'd have some ideas and then you work it out on stage. That's pretty common. Some people do write, you know, hours and hours and then bring it onto the stage to refine that writing. There's also, I appreciated again, just the uh, universal comedic element for this career of you Bombing. do a joke and it, right. Well, you do a joke and it kills one night and then you do it another night and there's fucking crickets and, you know. Why? So, What's the mystery of that? Right. right. Yeah, right. And I think there was that one comic who was talking about you got to feel the audience. You yeah, know? you got to. It's not a um, linear thing. It's a it, it's modular. Yeah. Who was it who? Oh, I also appreciated how um, Chris Rock was talking about how he killed. And then who was it? It wasn't Cedric, the entertainer who came out after him and took it to even another height. He's like, who the fuck is this? Yeah, it was. Um, it was Guy Tory. Was it Guy Tory? Yeah. Called Chris Rock. Yeah. No, 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 no. It was the guy who came out. Oh, it, it was um, Bernie oh, Mac. Bernie Mac. Yeah. Who came out, who was like, I have a fucking anaconda here, you know? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. He just like was like, <laughs> and, and he had worked it out with the DJ to DJ. Hit yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. he just blew the fight. And what was brilliant is there's Chris Rock, who just had a fucking phenomenal night. Like he's the reigning champion. And then Bernie Mac comes out and takes it like, oh, if that's what I'm up against, then I got to go harder. And, and that's what I think about doing the work. Like you, you're at the edge of the airplane and you're either going to jump or you're going to say no and go back to the seat and land on three wheels. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the people who jump. That's the, you know, you jump. Yeah. And, and having that courage to step off into the unknown 
that's part of what we love about comedy because we're suddenly now we're out there with you. Yeah. We're confronting both our, our, our own fears and our own angst and our own, you know, hidden dark sides. And then we can poke fun at it and we all get to feel a little more human. Yeah. You know, um, I think one of the things that was brought up in this, uh, uh, thing about Bill Cosby was comparing him to Richard Pryor, how Richard wasn't a saint, but Richard acknowledged his humanity and, um, didn't play off as a saint where Bill throughout most of his career was like, you know, I'm the shining beacon of right living. Yeah. Yeah, he, with his sweaters and his suit, and, and you know, yeah, he the had a whole, very movie. wholesome American image, right? Yeah, there's the famous Eddie Murphy stand-up bit, you know, where Bill calls him and says, "You got to quit swear words." And he spoke to Richard Pryor and said, "Richard Pryor said, well, you getting paid? Yeah, then fuck him." <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and. That's that 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 one scene with Chevy Chase and Richard Pryor where it's the job interview and they're doing that thing back and forth with the oh god the, I love the word that. association that is so Dead honky good and <laughs> honky that is you know and Richard wrote that he co-wrote yeah. that like yeah. that is that that's why Saturday Night Live was so good because it was so cutting edge. Like they were willing to do that. Wow. Uh, that is a great bit. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and take a couple weeks off and uh, oh, yeah. I'm going to give you a raise. <laughs> yeah. And Chevy was perfect. That was just a great bit. Yeah. They, they, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then Richard Pryor with uh, Gene. Um, Wilder. Know? Yeah. You know, in, the, uh, what was the movie they were in? Well, they did. Uh, they did a few. The one I remember is the crazy one. Oh, the Runaway Train was the first one. That was so good. I remember seeing that as a kid and just going, "Oh my god, that was brilliant!" And then they did. Uh, I forget the other one where they were anyway. Yeah, I think they did three all together. You what know, a struggle they all face too, yeah. right? Like, you, you know what else I found very interesting is to hear more than one comic talk about how one person of color was allowed in in a decade. Yeah, and when Fat Tuesdays happened, now you could have it. more than one. Yeah, and to hear more than one person say that, like, oh, that was a real thing that was really yeah. felt. Right. It was America. Just the entertainment industry was like, we're going to capitalize on We're going to exploit one black man at a time. And yeah. they're going to be our token comedian or token. Right. You know, you get the shiny star for don't this claim. Decade. Don't don't bitch if we don't pay you too much or don't. Right. Like. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, and, you know, this breaks uh, opens up the question of. Of. African-American artistic contributions in America overall, like jazz and, and blues and, you know, 
painting and cinematography. And, you know, there's just so many, you know, there aren't very many famous cinematographers that are African-American. And, you know, I, I guess there's a, a, an issue there, like a racial, racial issue there. Like, I don't even know what it, the cinematographers union is like and, and all of that. I wouldn't even know like who to call. Right. To get. Right. Right. Well, I think, um, like Spike is very, of course, very conscious of who he's hiring to. And there are people who I was thinking about that, how, um, Spike was in his own movies and then mm-hmm. he kind of stepped out of that. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if part of it was it just took so much energy, energy to keep the vibe and essence of what he wanted as his career that he didn't have the energy to also act. It just was better for him to focus on his production company and what's going on in the production. Yeah. That whole series he did on America last fall was amazing. Yeah, it was. We talked about that. Yeah. Yes. Well, what I did when I was watching this, this mini series, this documentary was I, I wrote down on three by five cards, individual cards, the names of all of these comedians. And my intention was at the time was to be like, by the time we got here, I would have filled them out with some data about them, but I'm going to go back and I'm going to fill these out and I'm going to spend some time looking into these people and and their art and, and what they brought to the, the table and, you know, just experience their gift. And I had, um, there was also, I was reflecting on this when I was doing stand up. I had one evening that I got to go do some minutes at a, um, black establishment. Mm-hmm. I think I was the only white person there. And I had a joke at the time that was about slavery. I forget exactly what the joke was. Mm-hmm. And then, and afterwards, you know, the person I was talking with who had invited me to do it said, it, you know, you did well. That bit about slavery, that was like, uh, I don't know about that. I was like, oh, really? Like that? And he's like, yeah, you, 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 you bring that into the presence. And, and so I was reflecting how, um, the N word and slavery is still so triggering in the blood and bones of hu- humans. And I think kind of coming back to, um, the, the school that you said is starting in June. And again, I apologize. I've, RememberInstitute.com. Thank you. The RememberInstitute.com. Right, right. That it is still necessary as long as that is triggering. Like, yeah, that's it. I think, I think sorry, go ahead. What's coming up for me is the recognition of what the courage that's required to be a comedian, right? Like we don't normally think of them so much as brave, courageous people necessarily, but the reality is getting up there and poking fun at people's humanity is very treacherous territory. 
Yeah, but also to be willing to bomb. Like, I love that one comedian who said, you know, comedy is the one career where it has no respect. Everyone thinks they can do it. You uh-huh. don't walk into a hospital and go up to the surgery table, go, oh, yeah, let me do that. I, I can do this, you know, or go into an airplane. Hey, I got the plane tonight. You know, but yeah. everyone kind of has this, oh, yeah, I can do that. Right. They think that their dad jokes at the holiday Christmas party are enough and that that would get them right. over. Right. I'm one of those people. <laughs> I think you found out from personal experience that that's not quite real. I'm pretty funny. It's true. <laughs> but you, you and I went, did that night, you know. On, yeah. Um, and I, I, I once every 10 years, I do stand up whether I need to or not. Once every 10 years, I go in and do an open heart surgery, whether I need to or not. <laughs> yeah, in you know, fact, so, so far, my, I haven't cured anyone, but uh, <laughs> I haven't killed anyone either. Because <laughs> they dragged me out before I could really get into it. Yeah, unfortunately, the comedy clubs actually gave me the mic, so th- that's on them, really. <laughs> You got to accept responsibility for letting someone bomb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I am. It came up on my phone. You know, the phone sometimes kicks out. Like, here's a photo from your past. Oh, yeah. And the yeah. photo of me on stage from that night, we went out to the to the hate and did yeah. that open mic. That was fun. It was fun. Yeah. And you were brilliant. That's very I cool. was mediocre. I think I was mediocre. But it was fun. You know, Yet Waz on 4th Street is doing I comedy. Saw that. I want to yeah. go back. Well, it's not an open mic. Oh, that's right. It's professional. They, well, they probably should have an open mic on Mondays or whatever, right? I mean, you would think. I don't know. I don't know. I want to take my girlfriend to see some comedy. That'd be a great spot. Well, Tig Notaro is coming to <gasps> the Bay Area. Oh, not to the Yet Wah. I was going to be like, poor Tig. She's playing the Yet Wah. Oh, my God. Like, just the fact that there's a Chinese restaurant that does stand-up is like a brilliant, weird thing. Yes, it is. It's also sort of, um, what do you say? Sad, tragic. No, no, yeah. What's Anyway, um, I recommend taking your girlfriend to Tig Mataro because she is very funny and it's very positive uplifting humor it's not acerbic you know it's got that edge but it's just she is she is one of the best i also saw uh, chris rock is playing at the paramount wow yeah i almost thought of just buying a ticket though right now i think i need to watch my budget me too ding diddle Speaking of that, we're now accepting advertising from Moped Outlaws. <laughs> we are not a uh, nonprofit corporation, but you're welcome to send donations. Yeah. They're not tax deductible, <laughs> but we will put them to good use. Yeah, like a Chris Rock ticket. There you go. 50 bucks for the f- nosebleed seats. But at the Paramount, you know, even the nosebleeds aren't so bad. Yeah. You know, what I noticed is that a lot of comedians are good dramatic actors, too. Oh, yeah. And that it takes a, a level of intelligence, sensitivity and, you know, awareness to do good comedy. It's not just what you say. It's how you say it. And it's also then what you do with your body. 
it's also observational. And I think good acting is a lot of observation and reacting. And comedy is reacting for sure. Yeah. You, and I reminded of, of this documentary again, where the people were capping on the audience. They were cutting the audience and stuff yeah. like that. And that I'm like, wow, like <laughs> yeah, that, that's low hanging fruit in a way. Well, it, it all is work. You know, I think there are comedians who they make a career from it, crowd work mm-hmm. and um, it's, my hat's off to anyone who has a career in the entertainment industry in any manner, because none of it's easy. None of it's easy. They make it look easy though. That's why they're good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what a rich treasure that we have in the history of black comedy um, in America. And again, just as we reflect on the cultural benefits that we receive from the creativity of the African diaspora, the BIPOC peoples of the world, really again and again, it, they're the most rich, the most sophisticated, intelligent, and, you know, inspiring in many ways, types of things to experience. And I'm, you know, I'm so grateful I went on this deep dive and now I've got the bug. I want to learn more and more about each of these comedians and, Um, I think that's going to be it for today. What do you think, Greg? Recording stopped.